Hello there, you luminous beings, and welcome to another episode of The Force Nexus, a Star Wars podcast where we talk the light side, the dark side, and everything else in between from that galaxy far, far away. I hope you are all doing well today as you join me on what is now day 21 of 30 days of Star Wars with day 19 and 20 making their overdue debut. I encountered a small hiccup over my side of the galaxy, which meant no recording for the past couple of days, but that also means a triple helping of Star Wars for today, just to make up for it. We last left off on day 18 with my favourite scene from Revenge of the Sith, that heated confrontation on the blistering banks of Mustafar. So today, we're moving along the timeline of the movies released and starting to dip our toe into the era of the Galactic Empire with Solo, a Star Wars story, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, and then for day 21, A New Hope. I'm really glad they're ditching the Star Wars story ethics going forward. That is too much of a mouthful for my liking. But I'm going to have to say it one more time. For our belated day 19 of 30 Days of Star Wars, let's talk about my favourite scene from Solo, A Star Wars Story. On the windy coastline of Savarine, we see Tobias Becker escorting Chewbacca as he makes his escape from the confrontation between Kira, Han and Dryden Voss. As he makes his way up the sandy track, he's stopped by a relentless solo, blaster marked on Beckett. Guessing the outcome of the fight, he asks Han if Dryden is dead and if Kira killed him. With Han not responding to the second question, Beckett explains that her motivation through everything they've done so far was never about Han, but about survival instead. The notion of making the best choices for yourself in order to get by. Countering this, Han defies him, claiming that the problem with Beckett is that he thinks everyone is like him, a cold, selfish outlaw who can and needs to be fine on his own. Not you, kid. Beckett replies as he begins his speech. Now, I hope you're paying attention, he says as his finger wraps around the trigger on his blaster. Because now, I'm going to tell you the most important... Before he can finish his sentence, a blaster bolt fires through the air and finds its target, Beckett's chest, leaving the once mentor speechless and surprised as Han lowers his blaster. He races over, pained, over having to pull the trigger and holds Tobias during his final moments. You made the smart move, kid. For once, I would have killed you. Han's expression not wavering. As the life leaves him, his final thoughts drift off to his love taken from him earlier. I really was gonna learn to play that valor chord. I know, Han replies as Tobias Beckett lets out his final breath and collapses on the ground. As if on cue, Dryden Voss's ship powers up its engines and leaves the planet with Kira still on board, and all Solo can do is stare and watch as the girl he's been chasing for years departs for the final time. So out of all the scenes in this movie, why is it that scene that makes my favourite at the moment? Well, let's take ourselves back to before this movie was even released. It's announcement to be precise. 
I was among the collective part of the fanbase who replied to that to that announcement with, Okay, Han's not my first choice for a spin-off movie, but sure, let's roll with it. I expected, at minimum, a fun movie with cool spacefaring action with that kind of smuggler and outlaw dressings. And really, that's what I got. And for a while, I thought that's all I would get from this movie. But then, you watch it again, and a few more times, and sometimes, something you gloss over or simply didn't appreciate at the time may poke its head up to challenge that very notion and give you something else that will change your view on it. This scene being that very thing that got me to change the way I thought about this movie. So, let's break it down. Starting with one of the takeaways that I had from this movie, really, since the very beginning, which to me was the confirmation that Han shoots first. Look, I'm a 90s kid, so I never had a horse in this race, and it didn't bother me that somebody thought Han did shoot first, and that some people thought that Greedo shot first. He's either a cold killer, which is plausible from his appearance in the cantina, or he's got nerves of steel and straight up defied Greedo and took a chance. I mean, which is also kind of plausible as well, coming from Han. However, that changed for me. That changed for me with this scene. If is it really Lucasfilm confirming that Han does actually shoot first years into the future at Mos Eisley? No, no, it isn't. But what it does do is it shows us that Han had indeed learnt the very lesson that Beckett was going to teach him before he, well, most likely killed Han himself. The lesson that you do need to be the one who shoots first in situations like this, even if it's going to hurt you inside to do so. Sometimes it's even the good thing to do, as highlighted here with the rescue of Chewbacca and the returning of the Coaxium. The next takeaway, the important one for me, the one that changes my stance on this film from a fun filler flick to a character analysis and development, is the fact that at the end of this scene, he's most likely never going to see the woman he loves again. The woman that he's been trying to get back to this whole time. The woman that he's trying to impress with roguish desires. The woman who knows deep down that Han is a good guy in his heart. The woman that needed to step away from him. The woman that had found her way into the core of the criminal underworld. And the very woman that saved Han's life and soul. Now, should he have gone back to Kira and left the planet, he would most certainly have been killed by Maul. But more importantly, he wouldn't be able to learn this lesson. That, sure, he does have questionable tendencies and fancies himself as a bit of a scoundrel, but deep down he's motivated by a kind heart and one of love as well. A desire to quote-unquote rescue the woman who he loves so much that he's willing to put himself at risk with criminal cartels just to be back with her. But that's not a life that they can share. Kira knows it, and in this moment, as she stares back at him, she's teaching him that lesson. That Han Solo is indeed a man with a good heart, and that's why he cannot accompany her back to Maul. And that is why Han shooting first and the departure of Kira is my favourite scene in Solo, a Star Wars story. Okay, one down, 
two more scenes to go as I move on to something I've been very much excited to talk about. To celebrate day 20, it's time to talk about my favourite scene from Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Now, let's not beat around the bush here. There's not many scenes that top this for me. And that is indeed the Vader hallway scene at the very tail end of the movie. Vader's shuttle approaches the Rebellion cruiser as the plans for the Death Star are being transmitted up. The sense of urgency is paramount and the Rebels know that they have minimal time to get these away safely. With the upload completed, they hastily make their way down the corridor towards the Tantive Four, but the door jams and refuses to open, only leaving a small sliver wide enough for a hand to squeeze through. The power dims, the lights go out, the metal all around them starts creaking. Wary and on edge, the rebel marines turn to face down the corridor, back the way that they came. Blasters slowly lifting, aimed at the looming darkness. Silence, only for the alarms playing overhead. Until, heavy breathing, and a few moments later, a sharp ignition and vibrating hum, and a red blade of light extends within the darkness to reveal the Lord of the Sith himself, Darth Vader. With uncertainty and shock in their faces, one rebel yells, Open fire! And the corridor erupts into bright red light, with every shot deflecting off the crimson blade and into every direction, walls and rebels alike. One rebel starts pounding on the door behind them, Help us! Screaming and pleading to his comrades and friends as they're being ruthlessly cut down. Demonstrating his power within the force, he lifts and holds a marine to the roof of the corridor, deflecting a blaster shot with his saber hand and following it up with a strike across the torso of his victim held tight within his grasp. Letting go of him, he deflects another bolt with the force alone and pulls the weapons out of the rebels' hands, disarming them and cutting them all down. Knowing he has but seconds to live, the man at the door only had one concern, the Death Star plans he's been holding. Valuing this more than himself, he urges the rebel on the other side to take it and run. As the plans change hands, Vader's saber comes stabbing through the door and through the man on the other side. Bailing for his life and for the plans, more rebels help to cover his retreat, giving their own lives in return. The man with the plans falls as he too watches his fellow men, men in arms being butchered. And then the door closes and seals. He yells out a blood-curdling yell, LAUNCH! The Tantai Four releases from the Rebel Cruiser and makes its speedy getaway from Lord Vader. As the ship prepares the jump for hyperspace, Captain Antilles is past the plans and enters the cockpit. Passing the plans to Leia, he asks, What is that that they've, that they've sent us? And she replies with, Hope. Oh, this scene. My lord, let's start with the obvious. It is so satisfying to see Darth Vader, the lord of fear and intimidation, known as such far and wide across the galaxy, absolutely ripping everybody to pieces like it was nothing. Deflecting every shot, stringing in strikes with force moves as well, 
and even more deflection, he is a walking, impenetrable fortress, and the fear and screams of the rebellion marines matches this in a hauntingly beautiful way. Seeing this for the first time, I was both appreciating, well, I was appreciating both sides of this. I was over the moon to see Vader like this, but on the other hand, I was also feeling, really feeling for the rebel troopers quite a bit. They stood no chance, and they were soiling themselves at the sight of him. Although credit where credit is due, they did stand steadfast in determination. And that leads me into my other reason why this makes my favourite scene of the movie. The entire movie is just about that steadfast determination that this rebellion needs. Or, to put it in another way, as spoken by our princess, it's that hope that the rebellion needs. Even in this very scene, beginning to end, hope. They hope they can receive the transmission with the plans in time. They hope they can get clear of the cruiser. They hope they can get the door open. The carrier himself hopes that he can pass the plans further along, even if it'll get himself killed. The next rebel then hopes that he can get onto the Tantai Four in time with the plans, and then Captain Antilles hopes that they can get to safety in time. And now, Princess Leia hopes that this is enough to deal the first major blow against the Galactic Empire. Hope had stayed with these men and women in that confrontation, even though the even though the thing that was opposing that hope was one of the most twisted and evil beings within the galaxy, capable of unspeakable horrors. Hope wasn't squandered that day, and that hope will carry on to help bolster the rebellion in the movie to come. And that is why the Darth Vader hallway scene is my favourite scene in Star Wars Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Now, just like the ending of Rogue One, let's swiftly move down the timeline with the third part of today's episode and the very talking point for today, day 21 of 30 days of Star Wars, let's discuss my favourite scene from episode 4, A New Hope. This movie, to me, is the quintessential hero's journey. The lonely farm boy dreams of a better tomorrow for himself, but finds himself trapped by his current surroundings until his life is turned upside down and he's forced, no pun intended, to rely on his own intuition to save the day and emerge the hero. For my favourite scene for this movie, I'll be talking about that very moment that Luke Skywalker overcomes his first obstacle to emerge as the hero that the galaxy needs. Towards the tail end of the Death Star trench run sequence, we're left with Luke and Biggs making the run alone, carrying that very hope we just talked about with them as they continue, determined to sink their proton torpedoes into the Death Star. However, focusing on the lead and in pursuit of Luke is the the Dark Lord himself, Darth Vader. Tension is rising within the music, as he's quickly gaining on Biggs. Quick! he exclaims as Vader draws ever closer. But it's too late. Vader takes the shot, and Biggs's X-Wing goes up in flames, leaving Luke to finish the job alone. Time is running out. The station is 30 seconds out from firing, and Vader is nearing success. 
in eliminating the rebel threat. Making his approach towards his target, Luke readies his targeting computer, and as he's about to adjust his sights, he hears a familiar voice echoing around him. Use the force, Luke. Let go, Luke. Picking up on the motions within the force, Vader can feel the strength within this rebel pilot as Kenobi urges him. Luke, trust me. Rebel Command is a little concerned when noticing that he's turned off his targeting systems, asking what's wrong, to which Luke replies with, nothing, I'm alright. Focusing in on his prey, Vader takes a couple more shots, and one makes contact with R2, putting him out of action. The timer for the Death Star's firing sequence comes to an end, and Grand Moff Tarkin gives the order to fire upon Yavin 4 when ready. Back in the trench, Vader fixes Luke in his sights, when suddenly, his wingman is taken out by a familiar face. Han Solo has reappeared in the Rebels' biggest time of need yet to assist the Alliance in dealing out this crippling blow. As Vader's second wingman breaks formation, he knocks into Vader's tie and sends him veering off course as well. You're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this thing and go home. Coming from the Falcon as Han flies away, Realising that it's now or never, Luke holds his breath, takes the shot, and lets out the biggest sigh of relief as he sees the torpedoes enter the exhaust shaft. Before the planet killer is able to fire its weapon, it explodes into a million pieces and Luke is left with one final word from Kenobi. Remember, the Force will be with you. Always. This specific moment makes it my favourite scene from A New Hope because to me it really highlights the notion of being able to trust yourself and believe that you're going to succeed even if chances are pitted against you. Luke went into that fight as the most unlikely pilot to have ever joined the rebellion on a mission like this. A farm kid who used to bullseye romp womp rats over in Beggar's Canyon is now having to carry out an assault on the biggest threat the galaxy has seen in an age, and he's having to do it alone. His mentor had died, and he literally just lost his best friend from back home. He'd just been killed alongside him by Vader. It would seem that hope is dwindling, but Luke holds on to that hope as he takes one of the biggest plunges of his life. Trusting in the Force, but by extension, trusting in himself by letting himself open up to the Force, this power he knew very little to begin with. When relating this to real-world dynamics, I really like to look at the Force as that little voice in your heart that tells you you should do something. It may be a massive risk, it may not pay off, but you believe it's right and sometimes it's the only way to overcome the obstacle in your path. Clear and calm yourself and trust yourself enough to take that risk that movement forward, that leap you need to take to get, to get over whatever's stopping you from carrying on. And like the Death Star above Yavin 4, you just might blow that very obstacle to pieces, allowing you to emerge the hero of your own journey. And that is why the destruction of the Death Star is my favourite scene in Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope. I do hope you've enjoyed this triple helping of 30 Days of Star Wars today, discussing more of my favourite scenes from the movies. 
if you're yet to catch the previous episodes of this 30-day journey where I've covered favourite aspects of this galaxy such as my favourite character, my favourite Jedi, my favourite Sith, novels and more, then you can find them over on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts simply by searching The Force Nexus, a Star Wars podcast. I'd love to hear what your favourite scenes are, as well as anything else from the episodes I've done so far, on the show's social media pages on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, at The Force Nexus. Giving the show a follow on those pages really goes a long way in helping the show out as well, and consider sharing it with your friends if you think they'll like it too. I do hope you can join me tomorrow, where I'll be moving on to episode 5, to talk my favourite scene from Star Wars Empire Strikes Back. Finally, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to all the support I've been getting so far regarding the show. Thank you all very much uh, to all you recurring listeners, those who are following the show and those who have messaged me about it. I'm simply overjoyed to hear that you're enjoying listening to me just spew Star Wars. So truly, as I leave you for today, and to those who have joined for today's episode as well, Thank you all very, very much to all of you for listening, and may the Force be with you all, always.